Hello and welcome to the Soccer History USA podcast. On today's episode, Gunning for the Marksman. At the season's halfway point, defending champion Fall River led the standings with 37 points. Bethlehem Steel had overcome their early season woes and were now only three points behind the leaders. Close on the heels of the Steelmen was surprise package Boston with 33, despite the fact that big summer signing Tommy Muirhead returned to Scotland after just 14 games. Only seven points separated the next five teams, JMP Coates, Providence, Brooklyn, Indiana Flooring, and New Bedford. A bit further back was Fleischer Yarn with 18 points and the New York Giants with 16. The battle for the bottom was almost as fierce as that at the top with Philadelphia just ahead of last place Newark. Newark actually won two in a row in December, thanks in part to the scoring prowess of John Hemingsley, who returned to the club from J&P Coates, where he made just three appearances. It took until November 23rd for Philadelphia to notch a league win, the club's first since April 19th. The victory came over Newark, and in fact the Phillies seemed to have had the Skeeters' number. The last four ASL wins for the Quaker City side came at the expense of Newark, and the last time Philadelphia beat a team other than Newark was on January 1st, 1924. Part of the Phillies' poor form could be attributed to the lack of development of young players like Percy Andrews. After a promising 1922-23 season, when he scored nine goals in 24 games, Andrews has found the net just four times in the last season and a half. One of the changes when the ASL expanded its schedule to 44 games was that clubs' weekends often included back-to-back games in different cities. So Philadelphia, for example, lost to Fall River 5-0 in Massachusetts on December 13th, and then traveled over 200 miles to face Newark on December 14th, where they also lost 5-0. Even the best teams struggled at times. Fall River lost only two times last season, but just halfway through the 1924-25 campaign, they had already dropped four games. One of those losses came on November 1st at the hands of Bethlehem Steel. The visiting marksmen dominated the first half, keeping the Steelmen pinned in their own end. Bethlehem goalkeeper Billy Highfield made a number of terrific saves. It was a tremendous performance for Bethlehem's second-choice keeper. David Carson was the club's number one netminder, and Highfield averaged only eight league appearances over five-and-a-half ASL seasons. The six-foot-one-inch Highfield was an accountant by trade, and although born in England, was a Canadian citizen when he immigrated to the U.S. In the match against Fall River, Highfield outdueled Fall River netminder Finlay Kerr. A rare error by the marksman keeper allowed Bethlehem's Johnny Granger to open the scoring just after that halftime restart. Fall River responded by trying to kick the steel men off the park, much to the chagrin of the home crowd. Eventually, the visitors leveled the score thanks to a Bill McPherson strike, but the unstoppable Archie Stark grabbed the winner for the home side. Stark was on an impressive scoring pace, tallying 37 goals in just 25 games. In fact, he broke the ASL record for goals scored in a season on December 13th. And now for some headlines from Off the Pitch. Former Northampton, Massachusetts resident and Amherst College graduate Calvin Coolidge has been elected as the 30th President of the United States. He won every state outside of the South except Wisconsin, earning the Republican 382 electoral votes. 
Known as Silent Cal, he later wrote, The words of the president have an enormous weight and ought not be used indiscriminately. In other election news, Nellie Taylor Ross has been elected governor of Wyoming, despite refusing to campaign. She will become the first woman governor in the nation's history when she is sworn in on January 5, 1925. Ross has called for tax cuts, government aid to farmers, and stronger laws protecting women, children, and minors. André Breton has published the Surrealist Manifesto in Paris. In the brief pamphlet, this new literary and artistic movement is defined as psychic automatism in its pure state, by which one proposes to express verbally, by means of the written word, or in any other manner, the actual functioning of thought. In sports, it's been a banner year for Boston athletics. Grocery store magnate Charlie Adams' new NHL franchise, the league's first in the U.S., began play. Led by general manager Art Ross, the Bruins won their opening game 2-1, with left winger Smokey Harris netting the club's first ever goal. Along with the Boston Soccer Club, fellow newcomer Providence was having a nice season, sitting in fifth position at the halfway mark. One reason for the club's success was the play of newcomer Tufik Abdullah. Abdullah was born in Cairo, Egypt in 1896. An engineer by training, he reportedly moved to England to further his career prospects. Instead, he signed to play for Derby County and soon made his debut against Manchester City. The forward also represented his country in the 1920 Olympics when the Pharaohs lost to Italy 2-1. Abdullah never really got going with the Rams. Injuries reportedly had something to do with it, and he made just 15 appearances in two seasons. Eventually, he moved to Providence, becoming the first African player to appear in the ASL. His first season with the Clamdiggers was also his best, appearing in 34 games and scoring 15 goals. Unfortunately, he continued to be injury-prone, breaking his leg at the start of the 1925-26 season. Despite the setback, he continued to show something of a scoring touch, netting seven goals in just ten appearances. Afterwards, he bounced around a bit, playing for four different clubs over the next three seasons, and as during his time in England, it just never came together for him. Some reports indicate that he eventually left the U.S. because he was tired of dealing with the racism he encountered and that this experience, along with injuries, may have contributed to his inconsistent form. The Egyptian's Providence strike partner was Englishman Jeremiah Best. Born in 1901, Best made just two appearances for Newcastle before being sold to newly formed Leeds United for 100 pounds. He would go on to make just 11 appearances for his new club, but those matches included Leeds United's first-ever football league match and the club's first-ever league match at Elland Road in September 1920. For Providence, Best scored his new club's first-ever ASL goal in a 2-1 loss to Boston in the season opener. At the halfway point, he had 14 goals, including hat-tricks versus Philadelphia and Newark. Today's sponsor is Hair Groom. Hair Groom costs only a few cents a jar at any drugstore and makes even stubborn, unruly, or shampooed hair stay combed all day in any style you like. Hair Groom is greaseless and also helps grow thick, heavy, lustrous hair. Millions use it. Beware of harmful imitations. Another of the new franchises was Fleischer Yarn, who, as might be expected, were experiencing some up and ups and downs after making the leap from an amateur to a professional squad. 
One of the more encouraging signs was the play of Andrew Straden, who, although born in Scotland, had recently represented the U.S. in the 1924 Olympic Games. Straden was one of three Fleischer players who traveled to Paris, the others being Ray Hornberger and Art Rudd. Other U.S. Olympians in the ASL included goalkeeper Jimmy Douglas with Newark and fullback Irving Davis at Philadelphia. The 1924 Games represented the first international tournament for the U.S. men's national team since the 1906 Olympics. They opened with a surprise win over Estonia, with Straden scoring the only goal via penalty. In the next round, however, they battled defending gold medalist Uruguay, and despite a spirited performance, lost 3-0. After being knocked out of the Games, the U.S. defeated Poland in a friendly 3-2 in front of 4,000 people in Warsaw. Straden's brace being the difference in the match. Less than a week later, they traveled to Ireland, losing to the Irish Free State 3-1 in Dublin. Overall, it had been quite a year for Straden. In April, his club won the first-ever National Amateur Cup, and he contributed two goals in the final. By the next month, he was playing in the Olympic Games and scoring the winner in his team's only victory. And finally, joining the professional ASL in the fall, where he was leading his team in scoring. The first half of the season ended with American soccer's biggest scandal since 1921, when Federation Secretary Jim Schofield absconded with $1,200 of the Federation's money. Just like that sorry episode, the latest drama also involved in illegal marriage. In early December, news broke that Indiana flooring striker Daniel McNiven had been arrested and charged with knowledge of entering a bigamous marriage. McNiven began his career with Bethlehem Steel, where his 28 goals during the 1922-23 season had been the ASL single-season record total. He was also named to the prestigious Soccer History USA podcast Team of the Year. Last season, McNiven signed with New York Field Club before moving on to the crosstown rival Giants before the end of the campaign. Before the 1924 season, he joined Indiana Flooring, and his presence, along with Swedish star Herbert Carlson, may be one reason why the club allowed Archie Stark to move to Bethlehem Steel. McNiven's story turned even more melodramatic, because the woman who he had illegally married was the wife of Bethlehem Steel manager William Sheridan. It seems, during his time in the Christmas City, McNiven was a regular guest at the Sheridan household, and according to one report, while her husband was away, McNiven paid attention to Mrs. Sheridan. The affair continued when McNiven relocated to New York, and in fact, it was several unusually expensive telephone bills featuring calls to New York that alerted Mr. Sheridan to the troubles. Thinking that he might end the infatuation, and hoping on behalf of the couple's six children that the marriage could be saved, Sheridan sent his wife to visit her mother in Scotland. Eventually, however, it came out that McNiven met up with the ship in Boston, and the two continued on to Scotland, along with the Sheridan's six-month-old child. Eventually, she returned to Bethlehem before setting out again to Scotland in October. Just a week after sailing, Mr. Sheridan was served with divorce papers, wherein she cited cruel and barbarous treatment. The affair only came to light recently when Sheridan traveled to New York and searched church records near McNiven's apartment in the city. It was here that he discovered that his wife had used her maiden name, Lucy Gordon, when she married McNiven on October 31, 1923. Although it's unclear how the matter was resolved, or if McNiven was ultimately convicted of bigamy, he never played another ASL game. 
Bethlehem appointed former player Jimmy Easton as interim manager while Sheridan was struggling with the matter. With half the season in the books, Fall River was once again top of the table. Who will emerge to challenge them, and will Archie Stark ever stop scoring? Find out on the next Soccer History USA podcast. Sources for today's program include Colin Joes' The American Soccer League, www.bethlehemsteelsoccer.org, The Philadelphia Inquirer, and Wikipedia. Music from archive.org. Thank you for listening to the Soccer History USA podcast. For more information, visit www.soccerhistoryusa.org and follow me on Twitter at Soccer History US. You can also like the podcast on Facebook. If you enjoy the show, please consider leaving a review at iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. Thank you. Thank you.